and welcome to X to Interact. I'm here with just Eric today. The other two are under the weather, but we are having a big gaming news this week. So we're just going to talk about those. Uh, this is episode 88. If you would like to catch all of our stuff in one place, it's X to Interact forward, sorry, podpage.com forward slash X to Interact. You can find all the links there to all the socials. We got some fun videos and uh yeah more than you'd ever need as sam would say however the news this week was too much to ignore i feel like too too compounding um we will start with the big one uh the biggest com gaming companies are skipping e3 and I just wanted to talk about that because I know it has big implications. We've already kind of ruled that like E3 is trying to claw its way back into the industry out of, you know, irrelevancy where it kind of went because of uh, COVID kind of was the nail in the coffin. Right. Um, and so now with, with, uh, you know, Microsoft, Nintendo and Sony, just totally disregarding it what does that look like is it more fragmented and does it not feel as special but also doesn't matter because we have things like nintendo direct and uh the other two companies things i don't know what microsoft calls it now like direct or whatever developer direct yeah, yeah. your thoughts okay um so Let's try to break this down, like, first of all. Right. Um, so, obviously, E3 hasn't been around for a couple years at this point due to COVID. And I would say that some of the showcases that we had in place, uh, they've been pretty hit or miss. Like, the Summer Games Fest, I like the first time they did it, it was just kind of, like, a little weird where Jeff Keighley was just trying to claim everything that was happening during the summer as, like, part of summer games fest and it, it was a bit weird it was just like a bunch of interviews i believe like in his in his home and he was just doing virtual interviews it was, it was kind of weird and then i believe i forget i don't know I, I, at this point i forget how many summer games we had i feel like it was either two or three but i think the last year one it was better where he had an on like an on stage like uh like presentation going on and apparently, like, the press and the media had, like, access to play these games early on. And that sort of thing was, like, pretty cool. But then on the other side, you also had some companies doing their own things. And, and I kind of felt like that some of them definitely were not worth it. Um, I forget which company it was, but there was just one where it was just going on. Like, they had, like, a few games. And it was just a lot of, like, developers talking. I It was not good at I all. I know Ubisoft has had some weird presentation styles in the past that just... yeah didn't really make sense nobody really cared about the like all right let's do 20 minutes of a just dance presentation um every year and just nobody was feeling it yeah so i feel like um, i mean some companies did did do pretty well but like, i kind of feel like the general gaming like companies the, the big wigs are like just trying to like push out directs and it hasn't worked for everyone I kind of feel like if you don't have something to show, you really shouldn't show anything at all. But going back to E3, I think E3 was like a good time where a lot of the gaming industry could just like come, come together 
And like it was like all all the like the big gaming news was like condensed in like one week of the entire year. And I think that the in- industry, especially in 2023 now, have like just have like just shifted because like Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, especially, like they really don't need to be at E3 to show off their big stuff. No. Nintendo was the first to first to do this with their directs like way back then, and it's worked for them ever since. I remember, but I also remember people like talking about like. Oh, Nintendo is making a mistake leaving E3. Um, Nintendo's doomed for this. And, like, look at them now. Like, the Switch is... I think it's, like, close to the PS2's numbers. And, like, the PS2 was, like, pr- pretty big in terms of sales. And so, like, Nint- Nintendo is, like, doing well with their directs. PlayStation, they started doing theirs, like, a couple years ago. And, like, State of Plays have been hit or miss. But, like, their, their big, like, general presentations have definitely been a lot better. Um... Obviously, Microsoft is the last one to, like, it's, like, the last holdout where they've had a couple of presentations. A lot of them have been misses. I know they have, like, Inside Xbox, which is definitely not the same thing. Like, that's, like, just, like, developers, like, going in-depth. And, like, they never really had, like, their own Nintendo Direct-style kind of thing. And now, just recently, we got their Developer Direct, and I feel like that's them starting starting to form the basis of their, of their like, general Nintendo Direct kind of style so- presentation. And and sorry to touch on that, I feel like that actually went pretty well. Um, yeah, they set expectations really well. They delivered on those exact expectations, and there was actually what one surprise, which was kind of leaked, right? Um, High five yeah. rush, but it was still huge, right? Um, just dropping a, I would argue a triple A game like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so maybe they don't. Maybe Microsoft is hopefully getting in its groove when it comes to stuff like that. Because as we know, they're like the the underdog so far. So um, I don't know. I know that like in past, especially for the Xbox One era, like it probably was more beneficial to give Xbox games and stuff like that a highlight at E3. Um given their place in the market. Uh, and I think that was Sony's position was, well, people come to us. We don't need, we don't need as much mind share during that one time. So I don't know. Yeah. Plus like make it, trying to get a booth out at E3 and like a whole conference is a lot of money for these, for these, for these mm-hmm. companies. And it's a lot easier just to make a 40 minute, already like a pre-edited video just to put out there for the entire world to see it's definitely a lot cheaper than having a live presence for to have all those ceos and like and like um tech people and all that stuff on the show floor they're get they're they have to get paid and like for basically just going to e3 and not doing their regular jobs yeah and so they they all those people there it costs the company a lot of money when you can just do something quick like this you know you can probably like have a pre-recorded presentation, do that within like a few days, have that edited out, and it'll be have it be sent out over the internet. My definitely a lot cheaper for these companies to do that. Yeah. So I think holistically, pretty much everyone agrees that this is just the smarter option to do. Um yeah. and we're seeing the eventuality of it with these companies just flat saying they're not gonna do E3 this year. Um Yeah, and it is a, I don't want to say weird, but like Phil Spencer did say like the week before this news came out that um, that they would have, like, uh, an event around that time. And, like, I'm just reading off the IGN article here, like, speaking with IGN last week, 
Xbox CEO Phil Spencer said the platform holder is timing its showcase with E3 at the moment, convenient for press and even consumers at the event, mm-hmm. meaning it's likely to roughly align with the event itself. And then Spencer also stressed the Xbox's public support for E3 and the ESA. However, IGN understands that Xbox won't have a booth at the show floor. And yeah. so, like, Microsoft in general, like, they've... They they weren't at E3, but they were, like, across the street at, at the Microsoft um, Convention Center or, or so whatever it's called. They but, like, it's still well. technically part of E3. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, from what I understand, like, if you had an E3 badge, they would let you in. And so it was, like, technically still part of E3. Um, I believe they had booths at the show floor. I could be wrong about that, but... Yeah, they had even, it, like, showing off games, right, that they were doing. Yeah, exactly. And so, so with, like, the news that Xbox is not going to be there, I, I I wonder, like, what that looks like. Well, and and the, I think they need to pivot in a way that makes sense for a consumer, right? Make it something that's more appealing to to go to. Make it just, like, a festival, right? A celebration of gaming. Um and make it worthwhile for people showing up. Get an orchestra or two, like uh, you know, do do panels like they do for Comic Con and things like that. I feel like that's maybe a direction you can take with E three as a like celebration, um, rather than just like, all right, we're gonna showcase some games and stuff. Um, sure, but I, I feel know. like I forget what the last year Sony was, but I know like the last year they went was the year before they opened E three to the public, I believe. And I know mm-hmm. Sony, they let they left E3 because they weren't happy with how the show was going, like how the future of the show was was going. And well, they it, the it just leaves. looks like they're done with it. It looks like they're just they're just not coming back at all. Which is, I mean, that's okay. Like I don't need. It's nice. Okay, so the nice part about it was, I guess the hype factor, right? And I don't know yeah. how you get that back. I don't know if that's ever gonna be the way it was because. You know, you're. I don't think you're ever gonna get Gamers Christmas again, because <laughs> uh, I used to. I don't know. I used to watch what is it, G four, um, and I would watch like every single conference because it was usually during the summertime. Uh, yeah. When I was in school, and so, um, yeah, I, that's all I would do. I always was watch like their coverage of that, and then wait for the next thing, play games in between, and talk with my friends while we're watching that. But, um. I just I just wonder how you fill that void or if you can kind of thing. Yeah. I think for the general the the general fan at home, the people who watch the live streams of the conferences, mm. I don't think anything is going to change for them really. I think it's mostly going to be for the media, the press, the people who go out there to to get to get appointments to see games and stuff like that. Um the the big three not being there is I don't want. I don't know if it'll hurt or not because those companies are still gonna reach out to those press to those outlets to for private for private showings and stuff like that. But Ugh, if anything, it's more it, work, right? It's more work, yeah, because it's not all centralized. And, and of course, like E three is always work for them. Like it's not for fun and games. Like it's it's all them for all those outlets out there. It is work. It's not easy to do that. But I wonder what that looks like. Uh, though it's like. Are they gonna gonna have a bunch of different, uh, you know, trips and outings and like on-site interviews and things like that versus having the one place more so than usual, right? Like we, uh, or if E three just completely disbands, what does that mean? And do people stop and now, like, 
do they choose a better or different time to start announcing bigger things if these centralized conferences don't matter right yeah and i know that this year at least summer games fest and e3 are like back to back so anyone who's like going down there to to cover games they're gonna be there for like almost a whole week because mm. summer games fest is an in-person thing this year i believe jeff Keeley um confirmed that i know game awards is going to be as well yeah um so it was it was this past year as well so i okay. think that's all safe but I'm just curious, like, who we see at each show, because, like, it's sounding like that Summer Game Fest is getting some big players, but also, like, I can't imagine that all the big players are going to leave E3. Like, I still expect Ubisoft to be there, at least. Yeah. I still expect, like, Square Enix, maybe EA. I know EA has done EA Play before, but, like, I don't know how sustainable that is for them, because it didn't feel like they had a lot there. Like, they had, like, um, Fallen Order that one year. But, like, that's all I can really remember. It was that and, like, some more Apex Legends stuff, and that's about it. I think I see it leaning as more towards a, a networking thing for, like, for like smaller companies, too, right? Um, yeah, and sorry to cut you off, but, like, that's another thing that people kind of overlook with E3. A lot of indies actually go there to, like, pitch pitch the, the big companies or publishers, like, hey, we're we're trying to make this game, like, if you can, like, help us, like publishing and stuff like that like e3 was their chance to like to show their games to the to the pl- big players yeah to like, actually get it made and do you see less of that you, you saw that with i think it takes two um i believe that's how that came about, or they just selected it from some but i believe that was something that came about during those so yeah um yeah uh interesting to see these news things come up as like an eventuality obviously i don't know how much it matters as far as like what we cover what like everyone else in the industry sort of like i think it just cut you know makes it more muddled and a little less exciting in one peak and we're just gonna have smaller ones throughout the year right yeah Um, i'm interested to see like how this year plays out because i know it's being handled by read pop and they handle packs yeah yeah and so I wonder, like, how, how this show goes. I mean, they didn't have the contract for the long time, for the longest time. I think they only got it, like, about six months ago, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, it's new management now, huh? Yeah, yeah. like, they're working with the ESA to, like, figure out E3 this year. Well, that's... I, how was I could see East, this right? year... Yeah, I could see this year being a test bed for that, and then next year be like being, like, the full-fledged, like, all right, this is, like, our vision for PAC, for, uh, for E3. PAX East last year... um. It was obviously the first packs after after COVID and stuff like that. Um, it, it was my first pack, so I kind of have, like, a little bit of, like, uh, a bias for it. Like, it's like a, oh, this is so fun. But, like, there, uh, the big three also weren't there as well. I mean, yeah. a lot of big companies weren't there at all. I think the biggest company there was probably Gearbox. And, like, a lot, everyone else was, like, indies there. The show floor, there were some gaps there for sure. Like, there was a whole big gap between the game like the the video games and the board games and stuff like that so i wonder like how i like i don't know i've never been to another packs but i wonder like if that area would be more full i would assume so sure yeah um when they did i'm I'm definitely interested to see how this year's pays out because going off a little like tangent here about nintendo nintendo have breath or have tears of the kingdom coming up in may and like we still haven't seen much about that 
and I believe PAX East is like the only big event before then. So I'm wonder I'm wondering Ooh. like if they go there to show it off there or if they just do private events. It's it's I, I'm wondering like how that plays out. I think we're gonna see a direct for sure. Um, yeah. There's rumors of that, right? Um Yeah, there's definitely rumors of that happening this week. Um I'll I'll say it right now, I believe those rumors. Nintendo generally does have directs in, in like the second or third week of February, so like it does doesn't line up so hopefully we'll see some good stuff there mm -hmm. hopefully we see like we actually get more info about tears of the kingdom because like it's coming soon and we really don't know much about it right i would love to just get an info dump that would be great on that or at least just some yeah. more like more extended gameplay would be nice to see too like maybe you don't even have to do that just send me like a 20 minute something like that'd be okay um yeah but that's I think, like I was saying, this is, it's big news, but I don't know how much, and it's not really doom and gloom, maybe for E3, <laughs> but. I give it until next year. If next yeah. year is, is bad, then I, I, I think it might be time to start putting those in the coffin. I, I am with you there, honestly, because we, they've what, two, two new management styles now, two restructurings or more than that um in the past and it just has not stuck like it used to so yeah and like obviously it's been the show's been canceled because of covid and then they've tried that digital e3 and like i was that really didn't work like i don't even remember what the announcements for that were yeah um we'll see though we will see what how this year goes and then obviously we'll be doing stuff on it and then next year i don't know I don't know. And then I guess, you know, Summer Games Fest. Is that going to be another stinker? Like, you know, I don't know. These these events, like, what my problem was is they just don't live up to the same hype, any of them that come about. Yeah. So, I don't know. Guess and, like, that... my thing is that all these presentations were, like, so spread out and, like, kind of exhausting to, like, keep right. track of. Whereas with E3, everything was, like, under one week, so... And you have smaller things throughout the year, right? But yeah, but like, I kind of feel like that one that one year there was just like everyone was doing like their own thing on separate like on separate weeks, and it was, was it, just so so much. It was like twenty twenty or something, I believe. It might have like, been. I can't remember which year it was, but it was so exhausting, like trying to keep track of everything. Right. Ugh. Just get together, gaming industry. Well, it's almost like there was an organization that did that. <laughs> um. I don't know. Maybe if they found a better structure to it, it would be more alluring to these companies again. But as it is, it's probably doomed. Uh, moving on, we have some other big news uh, coming from Destructoid. 2023 has had a rough start for live service game closures. So, uh, yeah, since the past week, we've seen a number of newer games announce their imminent closure. Fellow media outlet Gamatsu put together a handy list on Twitter, but here are some of the ones we just covered this week. Apex Legends Mobile, Battlefield Mobile, Rumbleverse, Crossfire X, and Knockout City. All to be confirmed to shutting down. So, um... And again, that's not even, like, the full list. No, like, that's not the full list. Those are just, like, big standouts, right? Um, yeah. Marvel's Avengers, like, I think last week was, like, confirmed to shut down. And then, uh, uh, Back for Blood yep. just recently confirmed that it's, they're stopping development on that. Yeah. Uh, this is just, 
it's weird because as someone who's now fallen out of as like a tangent sorry i i think it's weird that the only one that i kind of stick to or used to stick to is destiny um seemingly the only one that can keep its player base and things happy just because that's all they do right that's what they do and even then i burnt out on that and there's a new expansion coming and so it's like it's kind of a weird time in general for me personally for live service games uh the only one i'm regular now with is like i guess Fortnite and maybe warzone but you can jump in and out of those games and not worry about fomo so yeah um yeah what what's your take on this is this like people are we are we going to get to the end of this like let's chase this carrot on the stick of live service games for money you know because yeah. have we not seen enough failed things yet yeah and so like obviously this past week has been like pretty detrimental for games as a service i mean like even even before that you can like point at other games as a service shutting down like um oh that's squ- babylon's fall <laughs> that one was just a real stinker and that that shut down there's a part in the way um, yeah. <laughs> anthem that it's not shut down but like they stopped development on that like real quick anthem yeah. just died out yep and so like games as a service is like i i feel like if you if you don't have a hit an immediate hit you're it's just not not gonna help out. i, I kind of think that the games as a service bubble seems like it's starting to burst and like i feel like the only ones that are successful are like the ones from like big companies that have like it's kind of hard to words that have a solid enough idea and like they can put out the content fast enough for the for the audience to enjoy like look at halo infinite as well like mm-hmm. halo infinite big publisher microsoft of course um gameplay is great but like the content is just not there and 343 couldn't keep it they couldn't take the torch and you know and i would maybe you know obviously there's a lot of issues and compounding things but i think the engine screwed them in terms of developing content so yeah and like another tangent i I just kind of feel like these companies with proprietary engines like yeah a lot of the times they're just not working out for them Mm -hmm. i mentioned like in a previous episode like the same thing happened with square with kingdom hearts where they try to use the luminous engine that they made and like they switched to unreal and so I, I feel like these companies while a proprietary engine could help sometimes like, like frostbite helps with ea and the re engine with capcom a lot of the times like it just doesn't seem to be working out but that's a whole different topic yeah um, no, games as a service itself is pretty t- i, I want to say it's like pretty hard for these companies to keep up with like it's a it's a huge money sink for these companies to to put in and like like i said if you don't have like the the biggest idea it's not gonna work well and even even division two right which had arguably the best games as a service launch almost ever as far as like content and uh content plans uh it just couldn't hold the player base just Mm -hmm. because the you know and i don't know if i'd point to like cosmetics or whatever have you but they just could not hold the player base um it wasn't something that could be played for such a long time and that's where i kind of land with destiny is like i feel like i'm doing the same damn thing for seven years right like yeah you put a different objective on it but it's the same loop pretty much so and it's funny because like i kind of feel like destiny was like 
one of the first examples of games as a service I can, at least I can remember mm-hmm. and like it's still around to this day and like I kind of feel like not many other games have like have like learned from Bungie and like how to do it properly you know yeah yeah and it's wild because like I said like they're one they're one of the first ones I remember doing it I think so yeah I don't remember any before that to be honest that were yeah quite like that at least uh pizza man sam sam was saying that dragon age pivoted from games of the service so that's what we were and seeing it, earlier right and it's kind of wild to me that dragon age was being developed as a game of the service like why would you do that that doesn't yeah, fit it's for like, the ip like yeah exactly and like i, I feel like you have to i, I don't know if games of the service to me is just like this whole this whole thing that the industry is like trying to like um it's a it's a a trend that they're trying to chase and i kind of feel like everyone wants to have a game as a service but like it's it's just not not possible all these games they want you to stick with the game they want you to spend the money on the game they don't it feels like a chore to try to keep up with them and like yeah exactly i i wouldn't want to stick to one game like even my favorite games of the service, Final Fantasy fourteen, I take breaks from that every now and then. And yeah. they encourage that. They're not they're they don't utilize like that FOMO stuff, that check in every day to do this, that, and that. It's just like Destiny says I just play for the story and then I, yeah. I, I hop off for a couple months. Right. But with, with Destiny's style, they do like a, a weekly story, right? And so you're kind of pressured a little bit to check in. Yeah. However, they changed it now to where they'll keep all of the past year's seasons so if people are trying to jump back in they can catch up from that which has been nice but again i still feel a little bit of fomo because i can't do all of the content that i'm paying for like the raids i still haven't done a lot of the raids and so i start to feel out of the loop and out of you know and oh they got this cool weapon and armor from this and now i'm missing out on that because i can't get six people together for 10 hours at a time and there's only so much time people can give to every game. Um, and having one game as your only game you play is just not super great. Uh, it's a yeah. least. Yeah. And you mentioned that, like tr- that trying to keep up with the story and stuff in destiny. I think, I think that's the biggest reason I fell off. Like a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Like if I were to jump in right now today, I would not know what the hell is going on because you, I've missed so much of it. You'd have to and watch... there's like no way for me to keep up. So there, there's a lore video. There's like a story video, like a catch-up one, but it's like an over an hour long for a lot of these, and it's like. But is that from the community or is that from Bungie themselves? Is the question. It's in it's in uh, tandem. Like they worked with that person to okay. create that. So yeah. And they also mm-hmm. have like, um, they have these like comic book style things. If you haven't played in a while, um, this happened with this person and then they'll they'll play them when you log in so you're getting like the the set pieces um obviously you're missing some details but you're like with this person defeated this and then with that happening and so you'll get all that before you can even play in the game so i mean and it is a lot when you first start because you're like oh my god so much happened so yeah yeah and yeah, I kind of feel like some of these companies are just really riding on that game as a service. Yeah, a little too much. When does the well like, run dry? Yeah, like Ubisoft is like, they're they're. I don't want to say they're in trouble, but they for sure are having issues right now. Where they canceled. Uh, it looks like here, according to this article from Destructor, you said they they canceled three unannounced projects on top of four previously announced cancellations the year prior, mm-hmm. and like Ubisoft, like. 
I they don't really put out much besides but, like their Assassin's Creed, Far Cry. I wonder how For Honor is doing, man. I, don't, I haven't heard anything from that in a while, yeah. right? I'm surprised that For Honor. I think it's been up for a while, but like I'm surprised that's even. A th- I wonder like how much that brings in is the, is the question. I mean, it must be enough to make, you know, because I don't think it's been that long. Maybe I'm just out of the loop with that, but yeah, uh, I know Siege is like probably what like their most popular one. But like even then, I really don't hear much about it anymore today. Yeah, I, and and that game's been going on for a while. I've played that with some friends like years ago, and it's like just just a lot, you know. Yeah, and then you get things like <clears throat> you get certain things like uh Apex Legends, which was someone mentioning in the chat, uh that people people play so much of that when you jump into it, if you're falling out of like out for a few months, um the experience if from my thing when you're jumping back in is let's get grind you against a wall and put you up with streamers and like people who've been playing for thousands and thousands of hours. Um, yeah. And so the onboarding for these games usually isn't the best either. So you, you try it out after falling off for a while, then it's a bad experience and you're just like, well, screw this. I'm just, I don't have time for this at all. Um, I'll go to a new one. Right. And so, or I'll go to a single player game, honestly, because this is stupid. Uh, that's kind of what I've been running into. Obviously, I don't speak for everyone, but I do feel like a lot of these could do better with um with uh, new player experiences. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Apex Legends. I just want to go like to Apex Legends Mobile. Mm-hmm. That came out like last year. I remember I downloaded it on my phone just to check it out, and I showed you guys. And now it's being shut down a year later. I'm like surprised about that because like I, I thought Apex would been like pretty huge on mobile. You know, right. Maybe just like, the experience pretty, was not good enough, right? Like maybe I like, I don't know what happened there. Like I didn't keep up with that, with that game at all. But I, I know Call of Duty Mobile. They're they're bringing out Warzone Mobile soon. I mean, like I'm wondering like how that's gonna do compared to like the console versions and stuff like that. Uh, characterized as a strategic decision in regards to EA says that despite the strong start. Ongoing experience was not going to meet the expectations of players, and a mutual decision was made to sunset the mobile game. Um, so it was in development with Tencent Lightspeed, uh, Tencent subsidiary Lightspeed Studios. Uh, quote: We remain highly committed to unlocking. Wait, this is EA's strategy as a whole. Okay, so this was like in regards to Battlefield and all their live service games. It says we remain highly committed to unlocking Battlefield's enormous potential. We're hard at work evolving that and in pre-production on our next battlefield. Um, I'm just trying to find like, uh, where is it? Why they did that. Yeah. And then you're also mentioning battlefield, like not even they canceled battlefield mobile. That was in development. That's just gone now. And then battlefield 20 was 2042. Yep. I mean, I, I, that game launched in a pretty bad state. state. Yeah. And I have not really heard about it ever recovering from that. Yeah, it's just like, I imagine that was a big money sink for them, right? These are big gambles for these companies, so. Yeah, Battlefield used to be huge. Like, it used to be like a competitive Call of Duty, and now it's just like falling hard on the wayside. And Battlefield 4 was amazing, right? Yeah, like, Battlefield 4, like, even though it didn't launch great, I still had an insane amount of fun with that game, like. But was it a different time, right? Like. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was. 
It was just like early PS4 days. Mm-hmm. Map packs and DLCs were still a thing. Games as a service, like I, like I said before, Destiny was like the earliest one there, and that came out like a couple, like a year or two after the like the consoles launched. Yeah, dude. I I just I wonder. Like I said, wh- when does this stop? When do we start getting a deluge of new games as service? And here's the battle pass. And here's you know, you just yeah. we're we're glut. We have a glut of them. And at this point, we we're starting to see the seams burst on the industry where we're getting the leaks and things like this flooding out. Like Apex Legends, I wouldn't have pegged as something that would be done already. That's like the biggest yeah, exactly. One. Knockout City. We've seen like all right that that was kind of and then they went free to play and they just i don't know what it is maybe maybe just that style of game can't work as a live service uh like they wanted people try to shove live service into these game ideas without really thinking about the long tail of it and how that would affect the player experience so yeah and looking at rumbleverse that was six months on the market you know what i had some fun with rumbleverse though i had some fun but it was, I just don't, I just didn't see it even when it first started and when it had like the biggest push from like streamers and things like that, you know, kind of funny did some stuff on it too. I just didn't, it was too much. The, 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 there was too much going on in the game. It was not very friendly to new players, uh, too much of a learning curve as far as like that. It's a cool idea. I kind of hope they do a different game, maybe not live service. You could even do multiplayer would be fine. Um, but like just battle Royale kind of thing is like another one that. We're yeah. I feel like the battle Royale genre is just way too oversaturated at this point. Yeah, and most but, of them do not succeed besides like the big three of Fortnite, apex and uh Warzone. I will say, I will say we could have a dark horse with halo stepping in because of their their top top tier you know uh shooting com like and i i just feel like if they did it right which they probably wouldn't but <laughs> if they did it right they could they could revitalize halo in in a good way i feel like there is space for something like that because it is different than other shooters so i hope so but like yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried that like by the time it does get announced and released, if it's already too late, are people still too sour on Halo at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, that's my worry too. Yeah, these live service games, uh, as uh, Gary would have put it, are kind of looking more moribund, right? Um, yeah. So I, I just don't know. I, I just hope like the industry does learn from this. Don't, don't chase these battle royale live service trends if you can't make it work. If it makes sense as something you could see long term and you have a good solid plan in place, maybe, but also just can we just have games that are games like that don't go on in perpetuity? That's okay. Exactly. Like like and I know this is like a different different like situation, but like look at Hi-Fi Rush. Yes. That absolutely. Game is single player, like eight to ten hours long. And it, it just it, it, everyone everyone's loving it. Everyone's right. loving it. It's not a game as a service. There's no loot boxes, no microtransactions. Thirty dollar game. Just don't chase that trend. Try to try to do something unique and different. Yeah, at least um, in my opinion, you know. I think it 
stifles creativity when you have to think about a game forever, right? Yeah. Like, maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah, in Crossfire X, <laughs> that was dead on arrival, I'm sorry. That was dead on arrival. Yeah, I, I think from what I've heard, Crossfire is, like, the multiplayer side of it is, like, big in other countries. Yeah. And, like... Microsoft tried to make like a single player campaign for it for the West, but like it just didn't work. I don't even know and hear anything on that is good or bad. So yeah. Uh I hope that people they just start to get the memos, these companies like don't shove it down people's throats anymore. Cause you're seeing a trend downward. So Yeah, this bubble has to burst eventually. Agreed. And I think it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, we're starting to see a decent amount of them. Um, moving on to the last news item we have. And this is in kind of regards to that. Uh, canceled Apex Legend game wasn't Titanfall 3, but would have featured everyone's favorite Titan. The game would have seen players teaming up with both BT and Apex Legends characters. Uh, this is from Game Mess Mornings. Mr. Grubby Grub. Uh, let's see. According to the the single-player adventure was planned to feature Apex Games Commissioner Cuban Blisk as a playable character, with various Apex Legends characters making appearances and lending their powers to the player. Major details from the Titanfall franchise, like the location of the Ark, for example, would have also played a part in the campaign. Um, here is, uh, I'm gonna pull some quotes from this because it's interesting to see like i know people are upset like oh it's titanfall 3 or whatever and they just canceled the single player game um which i guess maybe was not the case here um titanfall legends was reportedly helmed by former apex legends narrative lead muhammad alavi perhaps known best as the architect behind modern warfare's all gillied up low until he left the company in january 2022 uh, according to Grub, Titanfall Legends players would once again pilot and fight along BT-7274, uh, using Rampart's workshop to repair and upgrade him with Rampart's Apex Legends. Uh, this makes sense given the fact that Rampart and Blisk are on good terms in Apex Legends, and Rampart's also responsible for resurrecting and building another Titan. In Season 9, it was revealed that Rampart repaired and repurposed Northstar, which is one of the bigger ones for Titanfall, and then the Titan belonging to Valkyrie's late father. So there's lots of story connections between the two, right? Um, yeah, it's all the same universe. Yeah. Uh, the thinking there was that more people have played Apex Legends than have ever heard of Titanfall. So they were really going to lean into that, uh, Grub explained, before going on to reveal that the game's developers were going on for a John Wick meets Tony Hawk. Interesting. Uh, gameplay experience while also taking okay, inspiration. Okay, I don't know. That's, that sounds a little weird. Yeah, right. from Doom Eternal. Uh, other Titanfall gameplay staples like wall running were also planned to be a part of the game. Project's cancellation was reportedly announced internally by EA on Wednesday. As for the reasoning behind the game's cancellation, Grub cited Respawn's repeated changes of leadership. Uh, says when ha- Muhammad Alavi left, it was doomed. Uh, Quote, I've looked into this. The Apex Legends community has really looked into this. If you go look at the makeup of Respawn these days, it seems like a lot of key players that founded that studio have left, like the vast majority, unquote. So Respawn has yet to officially acknowledge the game's cancellation, despite announcing the cancellation of both Apex Legends Mobile and Battlefield Mobile earlier in the week. So I guess you could break this down. Like, would you have played this game if it came out? And, and... Do you think John Wick meets Tony Hawk gameplay type would actually have played out right? 
I'm still confusing what he means by that. But uh, so I think... if you want my if you want my reaction, just imagine if you pro- if you've seen this on the internet, uh, internet, the GIF of Kiryu Kazuma from Yakuza just slamming the desk and walking away. That's how I feel right now. Why the fuck are you canceling this stuff with fucking Titanfall? That's when we came. We circle back to the thing we were talking about: single player games. You know, finite experiences are okay. People love those things. People pay for those things. Hi-Fi Rush is doing really well. So, um, I mean, look at Dead Space Remake. Yeah, that's a single-player title from EA, and that's doing looks literally, like it's doing well. Literally from them, an example: uh, Fallen Order. Uh, Fallen Order. Yeah. So, what are we? They're doing? making that Black Panther. Is it Black Panther? That's someone else. I, mean, I, I always get confused. I'm not sure, but we've seen examples of it, right? Yeah, I think they just need to refocus on quality games coming out. I don't know if it just doesn't make as much sense monetary wise, right? And that's why they push live service ones because they can milk skins and things like that. But I feel if you make a quality game, you show up and then you, I don't know, cosmetics, maybe I know people pay for cosmetics and stuff like that, but it's kind of hard, right? Because they do need to make money, and they do have things like FIFA and Apex Legends already that make that fit those and work well in that genre and are doing well for the most part. Um, why keep pushing for that life service and other things? Greed, right? Like it's just greed. So yeah, like I'm still mad that Titanfall Two was sandwiched between fucking Call of Duty and Battlefield. And I know there was, like, reports of, like, that being a respawn decision, but, like, EA is the publisher at the end of the day, and they probably should have been like, that's a bad idea. Yeah, it's your call. You're you're the leadership here. You're the one that says, we're writing the checks. We're, we're paying for the budget for marketing and things like that. So why not just say, take some more time or take some, you know, let's let's give you more resources to a little bit sooner, get this done. I don't know. We'll get a patch out. But definitely, at least, it, people react okay to delays. You know, we saw it with Halo Infinite. Was not delayed enough. Was not delayed enough. <laughs> you know? Um, which sucks, because it re- I feel like it really could have blown up, given the right support. So, um, Yeah. Like, I know the world is oversaturated with first-person shooters, but I honestly feel like Titanfall was, like, one of the most unique ones when yeah. it first released. Like, and it's still, like, I went to Titanfall 2 probably, like, a couple weeks ago to play it. Yeah. It's just solid, fun gameplay. Like... That campaign is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember I remember just, like, that moment where, like, BT, like, throws you, like, a fucking baseball. And I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. Dude, and then just hopping in the mechs, like, and then having the exactly. screen pop over your face. And you're like, I'm a badass. I'm going to go destroy everything now. Um, And, yeah, we don't have... That those kind of ideas, I feel like, thrive in a single player environment, or at least a contained experience where, you know, because they did have multiplayer in those games too. So yeah, um, Titanfall one was all multiplayer, which was good. It was good. It was good multiplayer. Um, yeah, but I I think you, I I don't know. It it sucks. This sucks. <laughs> like. I I would have loved to see more new ideas is really what this is. Um, and we're just kind of running the train still with 
Apex Legends, so. Yeah, Titanfall, I, yeah, it was like, it's definitely like the biggest missed opportunity because one and two were great, and then Apex Legends comes along, and it's like, it's in the same universe, but like, it's just not the same kind of gameplay at all. And it's, like, those those Titans made the made the difference in that game. Like, that, those were just so fun to pilot. The pacing, and then I believe in, right? Yeah, and then like in two, they had like their own kind of personalities and stuff, and like, mm-hmm. BT was like uh, was a meaningful character in that game, even though he was like a mech up that you pilot. He he's like your best bud in that game. Yeah, BT is the homie. Um, and then now hearing that that this game would have brought him back, I'm just, and just now it's not happening. I'm just like, why? What is yeah? Oh, well, mismanagement, right? And I think that's what a lot of you know. That's another thing we could point back to Halo for is like their leadership apparently we we had some some people coming out that were you know were laid off and we're saying like it's hard to take their their word of mouth as like something that's actually true right but yeah um you you hear things like well the leadership and management was just screwed and so we didn't have the right tools we needed to get the game the where we wanted and yada yada also the engine troubles never mind but you just i I don't know. I, I guess managing is hard and making games are hard, but why? I don't, maybe you, developers need to be or publishers need to put things out to get a, a sense of what the community actually wants to hear and wants to see from their devs. Like, all right, we're thinking of doing this. What's the response? What do you think about this? Right? Like, give mm-hmm. give the pitch to consumers i suppose as well and i know like it is money right money at the end of the day but i feel like if you hype it up this way like all right well in the future let's say obviously you don't let the public decide all of what's being developed but like put this out see how they feel about it um before you green light it before you cancel it or whatever um well because we i think we've seen that happen with what um what was it it wasn't Fable, was it? Where Microsoft showed off something. Was it Everwild or something like that? There was like a teaser trailer for something, like a flavor piece they showed off. And it was just like the only thing we saw of it. And and then it think, just kind yeah, of... I think it is Everwild. Yeah, rare. Because rare we've seen that once and uh, it's just gone. But, but what, you know, what was the response to it? Were people excited about it? Um, I think it's hard to tell because we yeah. didn't really didn't know what the game was you know yeah it was a new ip from rare that didn't that didn't really explain i think that's not the way to showcase it that's an example of the way not to because like that gives us nothing that gives the community nothing give us the concept right give us like all right this is what the game actually is um maybe here's a flavor piece or show the flavor piece and give the concept for what it is then we can have a little bit more meat to chew on obviously this is still in development things can change right um yeah whatever you need to say but this seems like a bad call all around in my opinion maybe it was just a doomed project in general they they couldn't get it off the ground but yeah um like we probably don't know all the details but like from right. what we heard from here it's just just so disappointing man like titanfall i i, I wish it was bigger i wish that we had more titanfall games because it was like one of the most unique first person shooters I've played like in that past generation. And just seeing it gone 
and you mentioned like the Doom kind of campaign. I'm just like, that's even like Doom is so Doom 2016, and like I haven't really played through Eternal, but like Doom 2016 was so good. And like, if, good. if yeah, if that was is that what this game was gonna be like, I would have been like, damn, that would have been so much fun. Yeah, taking inspiration from Doom Eternal, like for for gameplay experience and campaign, it's like, yeah, yeah, man, this would frenetic gameplay, intense, like, but. Once you get the tool set down, it, you get a flow state, right, with the game. And yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know, man. I and then this just goes back to the games, man. <laughs> yeah, it just goes back to the to the live service games thing, where all these companies are just trying to have have that have a game or maybe even multiple ones where they can just keep making money mm-hmm. off of like one game, and so. It's just, it's just, it's just all, it's just a bummer all around. And like the game, it's just the problem with the game industry in general, where everyone's trying to make big blockbuster games, but at the same time, trying to milk the money off of you, you know? I think everything in its place and a place for everything, right? You know? Yeah. So, I, oh, and this makes me think about, you know, Dragon Age with that rumor, right? Um that it started as a games as a service and now and maybe that's why it's now taken so long to even get to where we're at um there's rumors going around that it's not supposed to come out this year given the state it's in because it's still got placeholder text and things like that so Mm -hmm. that's a side story but also like kind of relevant in the sense that like that is and should have been always been a single player experience uh yeah for that ip um and yeah just EA maybe maybe do better by single player, please. Um, and I mean, people I, I, love it, man. People love those experiences. So yeah, I mean, they're. I think EA is doing decent at least. I know Fallen Order was like the start of them doing that. Right and now we have Dead Space remake, and then yep. Survivor is coming out this year. So and they're I saw, doing better. I saw Dead Space remake everywhere on Twitch. I saw it like yeah, yeah. So it still can get the kind of buzz they need. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I guess uh, something from Sam. Uh, Dreadwolf gameplay leaks showing God of War style combat. Interesting, interesting. That's another. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll click on that real quick. But I think that uh, something that. Yeah, and that sounds awesome. Like, why, why even start it in as games as a service if that's the case, right? Yeah. But also maybe another thing that's kind of weird is like you know God of War style combat for <clears throat> for a Dragon Age game. How is that going to work? You know, you change the formula too much on these where it already works. Um, we can get more into that I guess later. But apparently, any per- third person action is God of War style. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much reading into that, Sam. But it's it's definitely. I am excited for Dragon Age. I hope it comes out this year. I really do. Uh, and single player games, EA, keep up, keep up the the trend, please. Um, we have seen them cancel the live service stuff, so that is hopeful in some sense, but also sucks for, I guess maybe some of those teams, right? Um, they probably just shifted them to different development. Honestly, I didn't hear about any layoffs in regards to some of those, so hopefully that's not the case there um all right 
I think that'll do it for our main topic, which is just news. It was a big news week, so happy to go over those. We don't often get the chance to do that, so yeah, it was a good time. I want to touch very, very quickly on our crossplay. Um, I'll keep this episode a little bit more lean, but uh, I guess I'll start by saying I played some Warzone. Uh, new season's coming out pretty soon. Um, they're bringing back the... 1v1 gulag which i'm not super happy about um loadouts oh, and yeah, everything no. are changes. <laughs> sounds liked, like a nightmare to me i like the 2v2 gulag bro i still like that um because when you when you and your teammate die you have a chance to be in there together and there's a lot of fun with that so um and it's kind of a bummer like they see these games shifting towards streamer meta and I freaking yeah. hate it because I feel like Warzone 2 is in a really good place for casual players. Um, and hey, man. I don't know. As someone who is diehard, not on the Call of Duty train ever since like Black Ops 2, yeah. Warzone 2 was like my introduction kind of back in. And like, yeah. I, I've been enjoying it. I mean, I haven't yeah. played it as often now as I would like, but like the matches I played, I've had fun. Yeah. And then, you know, they seem to have a good handle over it. Um, they are changing some good stuff. Like, the way the bags work and everything uh, it's mostly positive and they have a new resurgence map coming i'm excited so i've really been getting it back into the swing ramping up for this new season um i got i got two two victory royales or i guess warzone royale whatever the hell they call it warzone number one but that was fun that was a good time i ran into like two cheaters maybe the whole time i played for like for like six-ish hours so it's a it's it's been really really fun obviously i played hi-fi rush is the other thing i want to touch on too i know you guys spoke about this last week but uh as someone who's a freaking diehard rhythm game person i haven't finished it yet because i've been very very busy but like every time i play it i'll go and play through like an entire section right um yeah. and i'm on the uh under area now the like where you drop way down and it's like the fact the mind control place where that guy mm -hmm. yeah and so that's where i stopped but i i don't know i really like the boss fights they're so super cool um so far but i almost spoiled myself by clicking on on our discord chat for one of the bosses <laughs> i was just so excited i wanted to see where it was going right um and i was like nope i can't do it i need to not stay away from that stuff and um because when sam responded he's like oh yeah that was amazing and i was like okay i can't spoil it for myself so uh i'm excited to get back to that it's probably uh, you know game of the year so far game of the year so far I'm, i'll say it uh we'll see how the rest of the year plays out but what a crazy thing that it just dropped and and people just played all the way through it loved it um there's doesn't seem to be any bugs in the game I haven't run into one. The platforming maybe is a little bit meh. It's it's not incredible, but it works, right? So um and I just think like everything moving in tandem with each other like really adds to that. You get the licensed songs, which honestly you could probably play this in streamer mode for everything but the boss fights, it seems. Yeah. Uh so that's what I found. Yeah, and, and it would be just fine. Um but like everything i felt myself 
sometimes weird with the rhythm. Like I wanted to hit on the rhythm every single time and I was disappointed if I didn't. But the game encourages you like, oh, you're still going to hit on beat. You're still going to hit on yeah. beat. You'll get more score if you do on the rhythm. Um, and it has the little visual thing at the bottom. I have to have that on because there's a lot going on. Yeah. And my brain picks to like 30 different things at once. So I have to have that as a centering at the bottom to hit on the beat. And then I'll, I'll, I'll you know, press the double square away for Xbox uh, and it'll go away that easy, which is really nice, by the way, that you can toggle it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the new moves, sorry, I'm going a little bit long on this, but the moves, like the special moves you can buy, I like the one where you can slide on the guitar and yeah. go into them and it just boosts your score like crazy. I'm like, this is a little bit cheating. I feel a little, you know, I get like A to S tier if you're hitting most of the sliding into them. And I got the grapple thing and the way they're layering on these new abilities is at the right pace. Like, oh, I'm just starting to get uh the hang of this one i feel like i'm good with it here's a new thing here's something else we're gonna throw on there but it's not too much so far so we'll see how it goes throughout the game but uh i don't think i'm that far in to be honest i think i'm maybe 30 percent in the game so i uh no i don't think i've learned the parry yet so that would be i think i'm pretty close to that maybe is my guess in that level yeah, dude. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Seriously. Uh, pay the $1 for Game Pass. Play the damn thing. It's incredible so far. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I've been playing a little bit of Rogue Legacy 2 for like a like a little review I'm going to do. But uh, I'm still chugging away through that. It's slow going because I feel like I'm a little bit lost now. They don't really give you direction on where you should be going next but yeah your level reflects like difficulty like there's level on monsters and it kind of gives you hints that way so i think i'm in the right area i should be getting either like six bosses and six to eight areas so it's gonna be a while coming we'll see um i think that's all i had time for i was gonna get back into destiny so i re-downloaded that but it didn't happen I was just not feeling it and I don't know how I'm going to do with the expansion. I'll probably buy it like a sucker and play through the campaign, but, uh, just cause that's pretty soon, right? Yeah. Just cause you know, Witch queen was amazing the campaign. And now like if it, if it's following the same trend, I'm, I, you know, I'm excited for it. It's just, it's a lot of money too, like yeah. investment. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to make it worth it. Maybe I'll wait until reviews this time. Uh, if I can control my hype, <laughs> you know, but Bungie does an incredible job at their trailers when they do them. So, um, yeah, that's it for me this week. Uh, what do you got? Cool. So I really didn't play much this week as well. Um, just low energy this week. Didn't really feel like hmm. playing much, but I did try out the theater rhythm final bar line demo. That's yeah. a final fantasy rhythm game basically. And, uh, if like I said in the, in the Twitch chat, um or in the, in the stream that day if you were to tell me five years ago like hey man you're gonna love these rhythm games based off your favorite franchises i would have been like you're crazy i have no rhythm at all <laughs> and then fast forward to now i fucking love those persona dancing games uh melody of memory for kingdom hearts i i i like that as well 
and now theater rhythm just kind of keeps up the tradition where j- just give me a, a rhythm game of my favorite franchises and I'll fucking I'll, I'll fucking play the shit out of them. <laughs> this demo was was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, it is take does take a bit of learning because the last theater rhythm game was on 3ds and you can do button or touch controls on that. I think I did mostly touch controls. It's been a while, so I don't remember. But playing it on a P- playing this one on a PS5 controller. The button presses, okay, those are simple, but like it's when you get to like the stick movements where my brain was like was like a little bit, okay, uh what's going on here? Like I was saying in your stream, I feel like these games lived best on a touch screen, like a DS, right? Because you had like what was that one? Um it was like really early DS where it was like one of the songs like jumping jack flash and it was like tap 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 and slide, and it was like a really Japanese Uh, rhythm game, like I don't know which one you're talking about, but uh, it could be either be Elite, Elite, Beat, Agents, Agents, Elite Beat Agents. There we go. Or I was gonna say Rhythm Heaven from the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both were great. Both were great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I want those games to come back. To be honest, uh, the Switch still has a touch screen, so let's do it. You know. Yeah, but um. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I like it. I like what what they have so far. Like this game is gonna have like a shit ton of songs when it comes out. Yeah. I believe the the marketing that they showed in game like every time you complete a couple levels they'd be like hey here's what the game's gonna offer do you want to buy it in the in the shop i'd be like you already showed me this so i already know what you're gonna tell me yeah but uh yeah they're they're, they're marketing like 350 songs in the base game that's um, incredible the, with dlc coming soon there's a deluxe edition for like 100 bucks to get you like another 30 songs and all the dlc they're gonna have it's final fantasy they're gonna have other square properties on there like near chrono cross chrono trigger see that's what's gonna get me um, is is the near stuff that there's the world under the field just like a whole there is gonna be a lot of square enix ip in this and it's a lot of songs and all and they're going all out for this and i don't i don't know if i'll buy it at full price because like my money's gonna be like kind of tight right now but this is definitely something i'll pick up on a sale like just for fun when does this um, come out comes out pretty soon i think it's this month oh shit yeah, yeah sure. that's that's gonna be weighing against destiny to yeah fall so uh, i don't know but uh yeah this game just looks a lot of fun and i'm kind of not upset but like, i'm kind of sad because they put out an interview saying that this is probably gonna be probably gonna be the last theater rhythm game i'm just like ah oh, damn that kind of that's kind of sucks like what happens with the future final fantasy games then because like Final Fantasy 16 is probably not going to be included in this. And if that game has some banger songs, that'd be, like, pretty cool. DLC packs, maybe? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, that, that's kind of a bummer to hear, but this game, if you're a Final Fantasy fan and a rhythm game fan, this is definitely a pickup. Like, this game is, is really fun. Dang, dang. I'm excited, yeah. man. I, I will, I'll probably actually pick this up because I really love these types of games. Um, and yeah, watching looks... you play, it seems like it's going to be real good. Yeah. Uh, and then I've also been playing some Monster Hunter Rise on PlayStation um, with some friends. They got it. They were my crew that I played Monster Hunter World with. Um, still kind of upset there is no cross-save or cross-play in this game. Like, I had 60 hours on Switch. I really wish I could have transferred over. But we're already at the point where we beat high rank. Now we're just, like, in the grunt, the, the end game. Um, funny enough, I did it in a lot a lot quicker than I did in, in on Switch. I'm at like 15 hours now on PlayStation and just like we're already at the end of the game stuff. <laughs> um, I still kind of find it weird that they didn't release the expansion at the same time as the these console versions, even though it's already on PC and Switch. It's it's a really weird um, 
release well, model that they're doing here. So I wonder what releasing on the Switch first and developing for Switch specifically did for this game, right? Like, yeah, um, this game does use the RE engine. I I I think it's a good looking game on Switch. Like I tweeted it like way back then when the demo came out. Like, what black magic is Capcom using to run this game on the Switch? Because this looks insanely good for the Switch. Yeah, for sure. And the so, um. Great. Yeah, and so playing it like on a next gen console like the Series X or S or the PS5, um, you can definitely tell it was made for Switch. I yeah. wouldn't say it's like the most graphically impre- Im- impressive game, but like, you think running it at sixty better. frames a second? Yeah, running it at sixty frames a second is good. And oh my god, the load times are instant, and it's so so good. I, it's like <laughs> you you are just going in and out of a hunt real quick, and it's just it, it's a good feeling because you can do more hunts more times, or you can like pick up and play it even though it's on a console i think um you know it's, it was, it's a lot of fun the tutorial was a little bit unwieldy for sure um yeah but once i got into the actual, the actual gameplay i'm like yes yes i can feel the itch right like yeah exactly yeah like me and my friends were just playing through the whole thing like yesterday after uh i did some important stuff and uh just a lot of fun yeah now we're in now we're in the end game um we're just grinding up our hunter ranks to continue fighting whatever end game monsters there are and uh, hopefully, Sunbreak releases soon because it's gonna be a lot more, a lot more monsters, a lot, a lot of harder difficulties, and a lot more fun. Yeah, they said spring twenty twenty three. It's hope, hopefully soon. Yeah, come on, companies, crossplay. Let's get with it, though. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Hopefully, the next Monster Hunter is like that because Monster Hunter, I feel like, benefits that a lot. You need people to play with you when you're, you know, randoms is not the way, you know, so. It's doable. Yeah, but like it is. you sometimes you 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 want to go in like knowing what builds people have for certain monsters, especially in the higher tiers, I would say. Mm. Um but yeah, Monster Hunter, it's still so much fun. Um then I haven't played a lot of it. I've I'm still in the, the tutorial, but I want to shout out IO Interactive for giving for giving us a code for this. Um they provided us a code for Hitman 3 and all the all basically everything hitman 3 because they wanted us to check out the new hitman freelancer mode oh my god i've been watching um, this it's crazy yeah and i'm a newcomer to the hitman franchise so this is gonna be an interesting experience um i downloaded it i like i said i haven't played much i only did like the first part of the tutorial only because i've been i've just been so busy but i definitely want to put more time into it because it does seem pretty interesting like I, people I know on Twitter have been like hyping up the freelancer mode, mm-hmm. and so it definitely seems interesting. And I'm gonna check that out more. Um, thank you again, IO Interactive, for giving us the code. Um, I'll be sure to put out some like uh, like a video being like, is Hitman Freelancer good for newcomers or something like that? I think yeah, that that's a gun for sure. I want to know too for like, because I've you know I dabbled in the old Hitmans when they were on PS2, yeah. but this uh this new style i haven't really gotten into yet not not for not uh liking it i just haven't really tried yet so yeah exactly um yeah that's a bit all i've been playing like you said i've i've tried out hitman a bit and like the on like the ps2 ones like i played like the ps3 remaster of it but like it kind of felt like kind of dated when i played it and so i was like i'm not vibing with this Mm -hmm. this new one does seem a lot more interesting like just in the tutorial i played like there's a lot of ways you can like in, in, like um do the encounters and stuff and it's like seems a lot seems pretty interesting i'm really interested to see like how yeah. i can mess around in that game like in the sandbox mm-hmm. yeah and the, you know they they're like okay you can poison this but this means this and you have to think about like 
the following exp like so you try to get to a perfect run i yeah, played exactly. like one level from hitman 3 i think it was like the boat and i was like this seems really cool so yeah i remember like just watching kind of funny do like hitman 3 streams like nick scarpino just like playing it really wacky and i'm just like this game like seems pretty fun i'm not gonna lie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like, I'm, I'm glad to get a code again once again thank you io uh, interactive for giving us a code um, be sure to check out our channel for coverage on that incoming absolutely and we have reached the end of episode 88 of x to interact thank you everyone for sticking around it's been a two-person show actually turned out i think it turned out pretty good and then um yeah make sure you check out x to interact on youtube on tiktok instagram we're everywhere but for this show, you can listen to us on all your favorite audio podcast services. And we're in video with our beautiful faces. And we do a lot of cool reviews, like the pizza review for Hi-Fi Rush, uh, Pizza Man Sam. Sam, um, awesome review there. Go check it out. Um, definitely worth your time if you want to know a little bit more in depth about Hi-Fi Rush and what it offers. Uh, and if it will be the whole pizza or just a few slices for you. And that'll do it, everyone. Thanks for coming to interact with us. We hope that you have a good week and bye.